Hey guys, welcome to Truth and Fiction. Uh, today you're here with Josiah Georgeson and Steve Hansen. And we are talking about The Great Gatsby. We are first little work of uh, fiction here right. that we're going to address. Lots to say about Gatsby, and hope you enjoy this today. Uh, Josiah and I have already been talking a lot about things that we've pulled out of the novel, but I think it might be a good idea to get started with just a basic plot summary, and, and the plot is, is somewhat secondary to what we're going to talk about, but it is uh, probably good to have an idea about what the story is if you haven't read it for a while or if you have never read it. So Josiah, why don't you give me a little background of the actual plot of the story? Yeah, so this story opens with the narrator and sort of central observer, Nick Calloway, and he moves out to New York um, to get a job as a bondsman. He sort of abandons his literary career uh, during the, the economic boom. And he, so he flies out to New York, or he, he drives out to New York, I guess, and um, he rents this little house right next to Gatsby's mansion. Um, and he doesn't know who he is, but he immediately sort of is engrossed in, in this the opulence of the situation. Then he goes and he meets his, his I guess it's his second cousin, Daisy, and her husband, Tom. Um, and they have some experiences in town. He's a little bit puzzled by what it is they're even doing because they've just got so much money that they don't really have to do anything. And, and they he finds them in this place of kind of aimlessness. But anyway, they go into town and he meets Tom's mistress who he's cheating on his cousin with and a few other uh, colorful characters there then uh, has a rowdy night but then when he heads back to his little house he sees Gatsby and is intrigued by him soon to be invited to one of Gatsby's big parties he gets to experience that um, and during this time uh, a lot of time is passing, but he kind of shortens it all up and he gives some little interludes involving that actually describing Gatsby's personality, uh, sort of hearkening in retrospect. He's describing it because this whole book is written uh, almost as a, a, a telling of events that have already passed, which is they actually go through that pretty well in the movie. They kind of describe it that way and take on that same tone, which is which was interesting. Um, anyway, so they go uh, experience another party. Nick develops a little bit of a relationship with this other character, Jordan, who's a friend of Daisy's. And she happens to know both Gatsby and Daisy because Gatsby's been asking about Daisy. It's come to find out that Gatsby's entire life and persona is built around trying to win back this girl that he had a crush on before he went off to the war, who is uh, Nick's cousin, Daisy. And so... There's some relational drama that happens, um, and in the end, Gatsby tries fruitlessly to to win her back, and in a in a last ditch, all in effort, uh, ends up sort of uh, ends up losing her like a man trying to hold onto sand uh, too tightly in his in his fingers, and he's um, he is killed in the end tragically. So it's uh, it's an interesting it's it's tale of a of a tragic character admired by one man despite his many flaws and uh, one of the, the defining lines at the end is is Nick saying to Gatsby right before Gatsby is, is killed you're you're worth the whole lot of them mm-hmm. you know describe talking about his cousins and all the other people he met along the way and so yeah. he really sets Gatsby up as this this amazing sort of a uh, above human character in many ways right so anyway that's yeah. the yeah. the gist of it that's a good that's a good good overall summary 
Um, and these characters are not exactly what we would call savory. There's not a, you know, it's not a surprise when Nick says that Gatsby's the best one of the whole lot. I mean, he's better than all of them <laughs> yeah. combined. Still not uh, saying much. But that much. still doesn't say much. <laughs> uh, you know, you have a, we have a lot in this novel, and Josiana will touch on this, a, a lot of what you probably don't want to do. <laughs> a lot of learning by negative example, I think, that happens in As this. As with any this. good tragedy. Right. So you're... Uh, Probably not meant to identify too closely with any of these guys and, and, and hold them up as heroic, although um, I would say that some of the characters do have some heroic qualities to them. It's kind uh, of a weird, weird thing to have a, a novel full of characters who almost no one can identify with mm-hmm. um, and are almost universally despised by anyone who would just pick up a book and read it. Mm-hmm. The, the, mm-hmm. All of the main characters, with the exception of, of Myrtle and... Um, What's her husband's name? The uh, Wilsons. Uh, does he just call him Wilson? What does he call him? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think he does just get called Wilson. He <laughs> must have a first name, but again, that just shows how secondary he right. is. But Myrtle is the one who's having the affair with right. Tom and they're about and the husband. only like uh, layperson's characters. They're about right. the only people within the middle class yeah. in the whole story. I think I want to say his name's George, but George Wilson. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Um, and I'm thinking he is sort of the one that we probably do have the most sympathy for. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I was thinking he's like the, the probably, one, I don't want to say the best one of the bunch, but he's no, uh, he's such a passing he's a, character. He's fairly right, insignificant. Right. He crumbles. There's this beautiful uh, scene where he, it's him and Tom are talking to each other. And Nick is observing from the outside that both of their lives are crumbling in the same way. And they're just yes. dealing with it different ways. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, George is, gets he, physically sick when he finds out his wife is having the second life without him. And Tom, who's been getting ready to lose his wife and his mistress at the same time, just puts on more bravado and acts tough yeah. and gets the heck out of there. Right. You know, <laughs> All Tom. Yeah, All he's, Tom. A, he's a piece of work there. <laughs> He is indeed. So, um, why don't we talk about some of the big ideas that that uh, come out when you when you finish reading the novel, when you put it down, when you uh, finish listening to it, or even when you're finished watching the film? What what ideas sort of resonate with you? And I think that's always a good way to start with literature. Um, I used to ask a question a lot of times. Just three words: What struck you? So there's usually something that will stick with you when you when you finish something like you know that really made me think about. X or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. So Josiah, I'll throw that question out to you to get started. What struck you? What were some things that emerged uh, from the novel that, uh, that you think are, are what Fitzgerald really wanted us to grapple with? Yeah. So, so the significant, I, f- I feel like there's really only one big theme that struck me. Um, there's a few, there's a few little character details and, and takeaways that are relevant, but not, not as Profound. I feel like this whole story, which almost felt like a short, short story right now in, in this last listening, um, could be summed down to, to this one point. Wealth is not a high enough aim to redeem the lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that one sentence, like um, Gatsby, and I'll, I'll break this down because of the two primary characters, right? Gatsby is set up as, as sort of the admirable character. Um, Nick, Nick is honest, and, and he describes himself as honest, and, and all of his actions appear to be honest. He even goes so far as to break off this long-distance pen pal relationship before he starts dating this Jordan character. So he's, he's a good guy, mm-hmm. but he's basically a neutral character. He's an observer. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a narrator, um, and he's, he's exposing truths that are just under the surface of what everyone is seeing all throughout the, the novel. And so his perspective is really interesting, but he's not necessarily the character to admire and to draw a message from, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Gatsby, 
he Nick loves Gatsby because in the midst of this world of of old money with all this ex- excessive opulence and all these people he's dealing with who do, who are aimless, totally aimless, when he shows up with um, to meet Daisy and Tom. Daisy and Jordan are lounging like they're tying down balloons. Like just, they're just almost barely existing. They have their very existence. They could just like blow away in the wind. Right. You know, they're, they're just formless and effortless and and they don't even, they can't decide what to do. They don't go into, let's go into town, you know, is sort of what she Mm -hmm. says. And they don't, for what, why would we go into town? I mean, Mm -hmm. there's, there's just, there's no aims. They're completely aimless. But Gatsby, the first time he sees Gatsby, he's looking at a light across the bay and reaching for it. Right, right. And it's this symbol of, it's almost like uh, like Pinocchio's father, Geppetto, who's who's wishing on a star. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's looking out to something in the distance that is that, that focuses everything else he does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he's driven to this insane success so quickly because of this intense focus that he has. Right. And I think that's what sets him apart, because despite the fact that so much of what he does seems false, it's actually real. Like, it's true. The, there's that character who's in the book, uh, in the, in the um, library. In the library, sure. During the party. Yeah. And, and his comment over and over again is, right. man, these are real books. These are real. It's, right. it's, it's, not, it's not fake. I thought it would be a wallpaper. Or yeah. Would cardboard. Be, cardboard. And, uh-huh. and they're real books with real pages. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, which is, I think, is, is, is sort of that symbolic way of saying, no, like Gatsby, he might have a facade and he might be misunderstood, but everything he's doing is, is real right. because it's intentional and because it's focused. It's not aimless. It's not mm-hmm. uh, sort of a frivolous. It's all very purposeful. Right. Every, every single piece. In fact, there's that line where he says he revalues all of his possessions according to Daisy's reaction to them. Oh, yeah. you know, it was yeah. all centered around her. All around her, sure. Right. And and that's that is admirable, even though it's not enough. Like right. Uh, and and I think the, the great tragedy of this story is that. Gatsby was convinced that money would be enough to redeem Daisy, mm-hmm. to get her back, to rescue her from this abusive, horrible man she's she's married to, mm-hmm. uh, to 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 bring back the the past in some sense, mm-hmm. you know, to do the impossible, which is what a redemption story is. I mean, that's that's the Christ story in some sense is to to make right what was wrong, right? And, but but it's not enough, and not and, enough, and Daisy herself. Her greatest, uh, most admired feature that's described again and again is her voice. And towards the end, there's this line where Gatsby hits the hammer on the nail and says that uh, her voice is is money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a, it's, her voice is full of money. Uh, and it is. It's the same. It's the same theme right there it's like okay money is just not enough to redeem him it's not Mm -hmm. enough to redeem her the pursuit of of wealth is not a high enough aim now the pursuit of love might be yeah they kind of leave that open right it's enough at least to redeem gatsby's character in the eyes of the reader and in the eyes of nick in the eyes of nick but it's not necessarily enough to save him well and then we see that because he he doesn't get the girl i mean it's not if you know if he if if this all turned out great then we would have a different reading and we would say yes it is uh wealth and opulence is not enough it's not something to strive for love on the other hand could be um, but in this case, it's hard to say. It's a, it's a, it's a tough one. You fall in love with the wrong girl, right. uh, and and Daisy's an interesting character for sure. Um, but we we get that quite clearly when we see the juxtaposition of Tom and Daisy, and the, the way that they 
I would say value opulence, um, even though I don't even know if value would come into that. They just is like the the opening scene that you talked about where they're lounging about doing nothing. Uh, they're stuck on this couch. Um, they they sit down to dinner and it's sort of like bring me in the, the way the food is described. It's just it's just riches upon riches upon riches. And they're just going through the bored. motions yeah they're, <laughs> they're just so like, bored okay this is a servants bringing the thing butler do this do right um, and tom's got to go invent some drama with himself by starting up affairs in every city they're in yeah and that's where you know that 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 is uh one where we get that right off the bat and we get a story later on too that he's been having affairs since they were very first married i mean i think they first honeymooned or spent some time together in Santa Barbara and he ends up getting in a car accident with the mistress from Santa Barbara some, some maid, the chambermaid yeah. uh-huh. in, in the Santa Barbara hotel so this guy's uh this guy's a quite a piece of work uh, yeah. Tom <laughs> but he he's the guy who is is I want money and things for the sake of money and things yeah old and, money uh, old and, money guy yeah, he just yeah. he's just used to always having it. it's almost right. his his whole self persona is so confident He's, mm-hmm. I mean, he pushes people around. He's always grabbing Nick by the arm, right, pulling him into yeah. something. It's like he doesn't, he always assumes the world will just go his way because yeah. he's just used to having that kind of money and power. Yeah. yeah there's a, there's a, a, a line in the novel where he says, and he moved me like he would a, pe- a checker on a checkerboard. And right. this is a guy who's used to, I will move these pieces however I want to, to right. get what I want. And if that means I got to start sleeping with another man's wife, if that means I've got to, you know, pull this guy along and make sure he does. But this is a guy that, you know, he's he knows what he wants. And he and I think the reader is clearly meant to see Tom Buchanan as a as a, as a negative force in, right. this, in this novel. For sure. He's probably the the least liked of, you know, and, and, and Nick sees him as that, too. This sort right. of brutish. Just, just uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, it's not oafish because he's clearly intelligent. Um, but Roughly. he's uh, <laughs> vaguely intelligent. <laughs> intelligent and knows how to manipulate, I guess we could right. say. Um, but yeah, I think he is our, I think he's our villain of the piece. Definitely. For sure. Yeah. And, and the defining difference between him and Gatsby is that uh, Gatsby is, is poor, was poor and mm-hmm. was raised that way. And he never really shakes the insecurity. And it's that insecurity in his own value that ultimately, uh, it becomes the wedge between him and Daisy and him and all the, anyone else he tries to draw close to. Um, he tries so hard to get Nick to think well of him. It's like, right. why do you even care? You know, yeah. he lives in this little tiny $50 a month, uh, little <laughs> shack right next to your giant castle right, as it's described. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Why does he care what Nick thinks? And, yeah. and, and everything he does is to get Daisy to, to like him. Mm-hmm. He's just so profoundly insecure about his station he thought money would solve it but in the end when he finally comes to the power showdown between him and and tom in that sweltering hot hotel room right right tom just pushes him over and basically it's his confidence and his observation of of gatsby's insecurity in that moment that i think convinces daisy that actually despite gatsby's love for her she's not safer with him right that's actually a great you know the whole thing actually uh, you know the desire for daisy that like you mentioned about the green light which is literally her the light that's on the end of her pier and we realize that he's bought this house to be able to look upon her and to see her across plus it sets up a nice idea of that you know my 
my destiny is just right in front of me. I just have to reach and try hard enough and I can get that. Right. Um, and, and it's always right there. And I'm never going to stop reaching for it. So when he does finally attain this this thing, the green light is now, you know, I've got it. I've, right. I've, no I've got this thing. So it becomes less, I mean, not significant at all. But that's where I think we have a little bit of a breakdown because right. then when once he, he sort of has Daisy and he, he begins to assume that she will love him as much as he loved her, um, that, he, that she would understand, and she seems to in the beginning, that, um, that, that all of this is for her, and I could really get behind this. And mm-hmm. they do, and, and the reader, I think, believes that Daisy and, uh, and Gatsby are going to be together, and it's going to be wonderful. Right. And he says, you never loved him. You never loved Tom. You always loved me. And as he starts sort of saying that as the reality, as Josiah mentioned, that all kind of breaks down on this sweltering trip to New York where Tom realizes, hold on a second, this guy's like totally after my, you know, it's almost like he's, he's almost dumbfounded that this guy's right. swooping in on his wife. You can't even believe Right it. in front of it. Yeah. Uh, Are you going to believe this guy? Can you believe this guy? Yeah. Um, but Gatsby's confidence when he says... She never loved you. She never loved you. And thinks that, that Daisy's going to say, you're right, I never loved him. And then a big moment happens where she says, that's not true. I, there have been times when I loved him. And I can't go all in with you, Gatsby. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's where we have the first sort of splintering of like, wait a minute. That's not how that was. Dream. That's not how that was supposed to play out. Right. Almost is, everything else at that point played out at the best it, as it could have possibly. It, it, exactly, exactly, and it was going in that direction. But that when when she sort of expresses that doubt, it's enough for Tom to say, "See, right. she's you know she's with me now, uh, or that she's not ready to go with you and not ready to throw in the towel on this thing." And uh, and I think it's that that and Tom time. knows to let go at that point too. In fact, he. He leaves. He bails on the party uh, right then and, and leaves her with Gatsby. Right, He's yeah. so confident. He's so confident that, that, that this is going to go nowhere. That yep. It's not going to happen like you think it's going to happen, Gatsby. Right. And he just pieces out. And so he yeah. knows when to let go. Yeah. Whereas Gatsby just just squeezes harder yes. and harder trying to hold on to this thing right, that is crumbling right. in his fingers. Yes. And, and I just, think that's where – so that, that really becomes the crux of the tragedy there is mm-hmm. when is, – because that could go one of two ways. The, he, he actually demands that he tell her that, – that, sorry, that she tell him, I never loved you. Right. And I've always loved Gatsby. That's what Gatsby – you tell him that. Right. And when that can't happen and it begins to – like Josiah said, that's the first time that this whole plan – you know, that, that, that this, you know, and every step has been meticulously planned to get to this end, this reconnection with this wonderful, this, this seemingly wonderful person. Um, right. it, it doesn't, doesn't happen. And right. that becomes the beginning of the end. And she's, and she, to take it one, I mean, those are all, that's, that's what's happening. But at the same time, there's a, there's a symbolic meaning to her as a character. She is the allure of money. Like all of the good things that wealth can provide, mm-hmm. and and the the attractiveness, the 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 sway, the um, social weight that you can wield, right. you know, it's that's that's all sort of embodied in Daisy. And while Gatsby is so close to having it to its fullest, he still just misses it. Yeah, like yeah. it just falls short of having the the fullness of it. Whereas Tom has it the whole way through. Right. despite the fact that he's a jerk. <laughs> right. And that kind of one thing that I think is interesting about that and 
how it ties to the very beginning of the story, the first line of the story, Nick starts out by uh, repeating this line that his father had told him about not criticizing someone. He says, uh, whenever you feel like criticizing someone, remember that not everyone has had the advantages you have. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's trying to present this situation where, okay, you could criticize, you could criticize Tom for being a dick. Well, maybe I should keep PG <laughs> for being such a, a mean man. Yeah. Uh, he's just terrible. But, but when you look at the advantage he's had, he's actually had the advantages of wealth, which are also the disadvantages of social grace and mm-hmm. the need to, to be able to negotiate in, in a sort of mutual way. He's never had to do any of those things. Right. And Gatsby is the other side of that. And he's never had the advantages of, of actual growing up in wealth. Everything he's built, he's had to do for himself. Right. And so his success is, is remarkable. It's right. so especially right. remarkable right. Uh, because he's not had that at the same time. Mm-hmm. And yet, well, and, and perhaps because of that, he's unable to, he's unable to attain to all that wealth has to offer. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, it's kind yeah. of a weird. Let, let's. I, you're making me think of a few different things, and that is sort of the you know the, w- this idea of old money and new money. Mm-hmm. And you're right that that Gatsby is he comes from a poor family. He didn't even want to acknowledge them. I mean, he right. knew already. I don't want to be poor. Right. I don't want to be all these dead. people. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, he meets a guy named Tom Cody, who he sees. Uh, out on a yacht and realizes that he might need some help and rows out there and makes a connection with this guy. And it's he says at that moment he see, he changes his name. His name's Jay Gatz, but then he changes his name to Gatsby. Um, f- sails with this uh, Cody for years, about five – didn't he say about four it or was, five I years? I think it was three years. Three years, years? yeah. And, uh, and they just go from port to port and and – He's assuming that that um, well, Cody leaves him some money, leaves him twenty five thousand dollars. Well, Gatsby doesn't get any of that. So um, the family of Cody, uh, you know, says no. We're not giving some right. money to some kind you know cheats, this this, this guy out here, or whatever. Right, yeah. and, gets, and, and so he gets. I want to put this in quotation marks. He gets nothing from Tom Cody except this idea of sort of A the, how to be wealthy and how to act and how to speak so he learns all of that but he has but he doesn't have the money he's penniless right so there's that there's so that so that's that's gatsby and how different he is but what's the what the novel leaves vague is we can understand i think we think him as a little more noble his pursuit of wealth is a little more noble because it's in pursuit of it of love right. uh, of true love it has an aim to it it has outside, an aim. outside of wealth itself wealth yes unto itself is not right. the goal so he it, at least we can look and say well there's a means to this end i mean mm-hmm. he's it's not wealth for the sake of wealth which we think of it as for that's how tom and daisy seem to think of wealth right We've already got the American dream. Mm-hmm. We just need more and more and more stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I mean, that, yeah. uh, so that, that, and I think that, I think Fitzgerald has some real criticism of that, you know. Sure. But, but I want to go back to, to, uh, to Gatsby because, and maybe it's important and maybe it's not, but the novel leaves really ambiguous exactly how this guy got all of his yeah, money. Yeah, they never really describe it. Right. And it's implied a, that it's yeah. some shady dealing. Like, yeah. It's implied that there's some less than legal yes. deals going on. I mean, right. he knows everyone, the commissioner and right. and uh, this this guy who fixed the World Series, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and he's buddy-buddy with all of these people. Right. 
And he is, and I think that's where we can see some shadiness. He is. Uh, it's always he taking is calls from out of the, town, <laughs> right? Yeah, there's a, but we don't exactly know. The I think probably the one of the closest that we can get to understanding, you know, his what he will do for wealth is when he talks about um, when he talks about his friend who fixed the World Series, and um, and Nick asks him, "How did he do that?" And he says, "Well, he saw an opportunity, and he's really smart." Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, okay, so that's what Gatsby seems to value. Wow, if I have this opportunity to, right. here's this big chunk of money or something, or this big estate or something, if I, and I can use my intelligence to get it, then he doesn't mention anything about the, the, the means or any right. kind of morality. He, he doesn't seem too concerned about the ethical nature exactly, of that decision. Exactly. So, so even though Gatsby seems to be one of our, you know, sort of the slightly more admirable, slightly characters. more admirable characters. <laughs> there is still a part of him that I don't really trust, right? Um, and, and and think that is, you know, the, the if you think about the parallels, and it struck me when you were talking about it in the beginning of the novel, we could look at it and say that Nick is really trying to ingratiate us and make us think he's a believable, great guy, you know, to set us up to believe him and to trust him. And I think that Gatsby does the same thing with Nick. He certainly tries time to. to right to sort of say, hey, I'm this kind of person. The funny you know thing I mean? is he he's in this drive. This is his first outing with Nick. <laughs> right. They're driving to town and he tells this whole story about his background and then tries to validate it by some picture and some little war memento. Yeah, right. like uh metal that he's got his name on right. it. And and it's on one hand, Nick recognizes that oh, it's a bunch right of baloney. Yeah, he's like, yeah. no wonder no one trusts him. Everything he's saying <laughs> seems completely false, right, right. which cracks me up because it just shows how actually Gatsby is a more honest character because even when he's lying, no one believes him. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually the truth comes out. Eventually, you know, the one evening he, he talks to Nick and tells him, like, I want to tell you the whole thing all the way through. I just, you know, I, right. he's got too much invested to, to risk right, it, right. telling anyone what's really going on. Well, and so he kind of comes clean to some extent. He does. He does. But, you know, I'm thinking, too. He just you doesn't know, have the skills. Uh, we're, we're, we're criticizing Tom, who will do whatever he needs to do to get what he wants. You know, like he doesn't seem to care about anybody except himself. And, and you know, manipulates the, you know, George Wilson, the, the guy, you know, and he's got his wife there. And that's a, it's an awful scene to see yeah. where, you know, he's, he sends his uh, uh the wife sends the wife sends George, George to go get some chairs, and then they, you know, and he's away, and then they start kissing and and, and flirting, right. and, and it affects Nick. He's kind of going, "Oh my gosh, this is this is gross." Um, but anyway, let me go back to what I was thinking about with Gatsby. You know, I'm thinking that the only Gatsby doesn't befriend Nick for the sake of having a friend or a confidant or something. I think they, he grows to like him. But he has a purpose because of his connection to Daisy. So really, mm. there is a, a, a real reason for Gatsby to befriend him. And if you think about it as, well, wait a minute, that means that he's, you know, he will do or say anything he needs to to be able to secure Nick as his person right. who can help his motives him aren't to pure him. either. Like there's no, yeah. <clears throat> He's not just friendly and nice right, and kind right. or whatever. And I think that's something to remember because he is he's he's very flawed. I mean, he's totally. we've said this more than once already, but he's 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 better than most in the novel, but he is a lot the same. Uh, yeah, I mean there's there in I feel an intuitive like intuitively, I feel like there's a little bit of a difference in the ethics of 
befriending someone unto a different goal that they can help with mm-hmm. uh, if you actually genuinely befriend them in the process. Mm-hmm. So there, it's one thing to treat someone as only an ends and as only a means to an end. Mm-hmm. But if you treat them also as an ends in the process, in and of themselves, mm-hmm. then it's not, It's there's something about that that's not quite as ethically dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would agree. It's it's like it's almost like uh, workers, you know. When I, when I hire an employee, like I'm not I'm treating them as an ends to some degree because sure. I need I need them to, to perform a function, uh-huh. and 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 so it's, in some sense I'm buying that function that they're going to execute, but I'm also treating them as a me as uh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not just treating them as a means to the end of having this function done. I'm also treating them as an ends in of themselves in that I'm going to pay them a wage that they can agree upon that makes it worth their while to do what I need them to do. Mm -hmm. And so there's a reciprocity there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the the difference between uh, Gatsby's relationships and and Tom's relationships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All of Tom's relationships feel like um, means, means to ends. Right. And, and most of those are very selfish. They're really like, you know, either, you know, like a, something that's personally going to satisfy me, you know, sexually right. with this, uh, with Myrtle, you know, um, right. or, or the status or whatever, you, you know, Tom's relationship with money is, is just as, uh, he's just as obsessed with money as Gatsby is. He's just always had it. And so he's, right. you know, I feel like his, his, uh, having more completely claimed Daisy is, is just a symbol of that. If we can talk about Tom real quickly, cause I agree with everything you're saying about him. There's a couple things that are, that I've noticed on this reading that I hadn't noticed before. And he is not, Tom does not want to be described as the, <laughs> the polo po- player, the, the polo player, and he also doesn't like to be called hulking. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like to sort of harken back to his days as a, you know, he's not the guy who listens to the Bruce Springsteen song "Glory Days." You know what I mean? He's almost like he wants to leave that behind in a way, which seems odd to me. That that's what he's built his whole life on is this. Uh, well, athlete, that's how Nick describes guy. him too. Nick's like first description of Tom is this guy who's trying to relive his his excitement from college and, yeah. and has never quite attained the the glory of the past, which is an ironic comparison as well, yeah. considering that Gatsby openly says that that's what he's trying to do. He's, right, he's right. openly saying he's, he, if he just does it right, he can you know bring back the past. And so they're kind of both trying to do the same thing in some sense, or at least do that's you, how Nick describes I it. I think so, you're right. I just, I guess I'm, I'm I don't want to say confused, but I just one thing it, it just it, it kind of puzzles me a little bit that he, um, that he doesn't want to be known as the polo player. Doesn't want to be known as someone who's big and hulking. Right. Um, he has a self-image that is specific that he wants to maintain. Yeah. For sure. Right. And has never really established what that is exactly, but he's right. fairly sure about what he doesn't uh, want. To yeah. Be known as. I want to be. I've got to be the superior one. Right. There's lots of talk about you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know the that he's got to be the number one. There's the issues of yeah. he talks about the books about race and about keeping. Uh, you know that the white there's a the, the whites need to stay on top of things. There's right. this power structure needs to stay in place, and I am part of that power structure. There's some explicit racism so, mm-hmm. on his part, right? And his, his sense and, of his own superiority, and, classism. Yeah, yep. right. And even when he compares himself to Gatsby, he's like, "I'm so superior than you." He doesn't, right? Even, right. He's not even. He, that's he's. It's ironic, but he's once he knows Gatsby's background, he's not even intimidated about him by him anymore because right, right. he sees him as so inferior. Right, right, yeah. You're new money, I'm old money. And yeah. I'm and, and old money is always better than new right. money in time. It's in the eyes. blood, yeah, he says. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a, you know, we see that play out in literature all the time. I mm-hmm. mean, and we look at Harry Potter and, 
you know, pure bloods and things like right. that about how, you know, that that's a, uh, so Tom is the pure blood. It's such of, a, uh, it's such a despicable trait, you know? <laughs> and I love that. I love that Fitzgerald, uh, sets up that racist character mm-hmm. as the despicable character. Right, like of right. all the despicable characters, he's mm-hmm. the most despicable he and most he's the despicable. only one who's like explicitly racist and explicitly right. classist. And here's a problem with that. Tom is also the one who emerges from the novel unscathed. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, he's going to continue to be Tom. And usually when we see, there, huh? uh, yeah. So a lot of times we watch, um, protagonist and undergo some change if you've ever if you read a book about screenplays or writing a play mm-hmm. um the, the the one of the main rules is that your character must undergo change right there must has to be an un- arc yeah there has to be when the when the play is over when the movie's over we cannot see the same person we did now some films and plays break that rule very few do mm-hmm. so we have one where now tom is not our protagonist but he is a pretty substantial character but for him to sort of get away with everything mm-hmm. is 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 a, is a little bit of a gut punch for some people. Well, I noticed um, that he, Daisy, and Jordan, none of them progress at all. They they have like yeah. a, a touch with something new and different and exciting and potential, mm-hmm. uh, but none of them actually develop. So Daisy mm. takes the cowardly route again and goes with Tom, even though just whatever right. it was five years before, she had the same opportunity. She read right. this letter from Gatsby. She knew what he was up to. And instead of being brave and taking a risk mm-hmm. and, and denying the marriage that she was planning on going into, she goes ahead with it anyway. Yeah. And yeah. that's, and so she makes the same choice again, five years later. Mm-hmm. There's no change mm-hmm. whatsoever. Right. Right. Jordan, the same thing. She's presented as this, uh, chronically dishonest, dishonest and, uh-huh, yep, uh-huh. character. And she starts that way and ends that way. And ends that way. Yep. Yeah. And she, yeah. there's no difference. The only character who has any development besides Gatsby, who is then killed. Right. Is, and Gatsby's development is, is only unto the the failure of his of his life's mission, and it's almost a mercy that he's killed, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It, it's mm. he can actually he can sort of like as Batman would say, you know, die before he becomes the villain. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. he he failed at what he was going to do, and they weren't going to change. And it's likely that, uh, or it seems likely that he would have never gotten Daisy. It was yeah. over that night. It in was the, over in that the night in the hotel. Yeah, hotel. Yeah. yeah, and and then he's he's sort of relieved from this deep suffering that he would have had to be plunged into while mm-hmm. he was still yet hoping for that call from right. Daisy. Yeah. And so it's tragic, but, but he, he has a, a tragic, somewhat positive ending, almost like of mice and men with, mm-hmm. with Lenny there. Mm-hmm. But Nick, Nick actually, he shows for being a narrator and being a somewhat of a neutral character. He actually has a progression because he starts out as this, uh, old money guy going to college wanting to be an author this creative side of him is there and this uh, authors are insightful like mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. the reason they're authors is because they're seeing something uh, deeper than what is on the surface and they and they're capturing that in some sense mm-hmm. in their characters and their stories but he leaves that to pers- to be a bondsman right which is purely about making money it, you're literally right. just sitting there playing with money oh, sure. to yeah, make more a, money. Right, right. It's like you couldn't do have a more purely uh, currency focused occupation than right. than stocks and bonds. Sure, know? yeah. Uh, and and he starts down that path, only to have this whole experience with Gatsby and and his cousin and and this time in New York. And then at the end of it, he's completely disenfranchised of it. He's mm-hmm. he just he sees through it all and realizes that it's empty. It's totally hollow. 
But he's, and I agree, but he's able to commit it to writing, that he writes it out as a, you know, so he connects back to this idea of what he really, you know, I'm, he becomes an artist with this. Right. He goes back around. He kind of becomes his truer self again. Right. Right. So he, so you're right. He does, he does undergo the most transformation in the, in the novel, (laughs) which isn't a whole lot. It's, it's kind of a refinding of, of himself. Mm -hmm. It's sort of a. He dabbled with dishonesty to his character right. and, and found it to be hollow and empty mm-hmm. and then decided to be true to what he, who he is. Yeah. Kind of like Gatsby. Who, is, who, yeah. I think maybe that's why he admired Gatsby so much because right. despite all of everything that Gatsby was doing, he was always true to that green light, right. to that, that one goal, that one ambition right. Right. that he was striving for. I think there's a, there's a great thing at the end where Gatsby's father comes out after Gatsby's passed away and he finds a, a book and it, and it has Gatsby's routine. You know what I mean? And he's like, you know, physically, physical fitness, reading for edification, doing something that's going to bet, you know, so there's this, there's this idea that Gatsby put a whole lot of time and effort into becoming, you know, better. A, yeah. In, in, a, in a very disciplined way. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 there, like I said, it is, it is admirable. Um, so I, yeah, I think Nick is our is our guy that, that has um, which is kind of funny grown. for the narrator to be the the character. <laughs> you know, the book yeah. is about Gatsby, right? But right. the transformation takes place within the narrator, right? Uh, and it's interesting. He's uh, Gatsby is never called the Great Gatsby, and throughout the whole novel, that's only mm-hmm. the title of our novel that mm-hmm. we have. That we have that, and that's presumably Nick's title, right? You know, right. That, that he, so, um, so something about Gatsby, you know, and. and has really stayed with Nick. Um, are there any other big themes? I know we've mostly been talking about the same one that I presented from the start. Yeah. Are there any other big themes that you really took out of it that are somewhat different from that? Well, I mean, they're they're related, but I think that it's it's worth pointing out, and I think most readers will notice this: that any kind of that whenever that opulence is presented, and that decadence, and that um, you know the the lavishness of this roaring twenties jazz lifestyle, is it's always 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 consistently tinged with tragedy or negativity so mm. every you know it, it, even at, it, at the end of a party you know someone will get into an accident you know there's a there's a there's a car crash or there's a you know something there's always something dark that's attached there there's a great you know when when uh, when nick says he gets drunk for only the second time in his life they're in an apartment that tom rents for myrtle um, in the city in Manhattan and they have a big party there. Um, and it's just, it's just booze all afternoon and music and dancing. And then it ends in violence. He, he punches Myrtle so hard. He breaks her nose, um, and blood and everything else. So Fitzgerald always tempers that, mm-hmm. that opulence with, with this underlying, this, 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 seedy underbelly i think a lot of times i think of like las vegas is how it appears to me you know what i mean right. where you have this glitz and glamour and and wow it's so amazing and there is a definite seedy underbelly right of if that's just of las vegas just as human and just as dark and just as brutal as any other part of humanity no matter mm-hmm. where you land yeah I like that they have to drive through in order to get from east or west egg into the city. They have to drive <laughs> through like the valley of death. Right. It's the, just, the valley of the ashes yep. where there is always going to be something that is whatever you're experiencing that's joyful is full of despair for somebody right, else. Like right you're, there. You're, just you're, outside you're, of it. Yeah. Your your opulence comes at the price of <laughs> of 
all of these people who live in the in the Valley of the Ashes. <laughs> and there's that there's those glasses, those those eyes right, that sit right. there in the in the Valley of the Ashes, just yeah. watching the people come and go. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a, kind of an interesting image about. It is an interesting uh, image. Maybe it implies <laughs> something about the uh, the inevitable judgment of God on the rich. Right? That's how yeah. George implies that at the end of the mm-hmm. novel that he thinks that that he, when he talks about Myrtle, who right, he find, right. who he knew was having an, or finds out was having an affair, was kind of blind to it for a long time but says you know god knows and he references those billboard eyes right of dr eckelberg and says that yeah he's watching and, and yet, says that's just a billboard <laughs> and yet gatsby is the one who receives the retribution in this sense you know there's, yeah. there's a kind of a painful injustice in that yeah and that's the other part too is that even you know that there is yeah, an arbitrary the, nature to justice well an arbitrary it, nature it, to, yeah, i think about that because we you know the and it, it is. That's a really complicated piece right there. And I think that's hard to grapple with because Gatsby pays for the crime of not just Tom, who, you know, is, in, is how we get involved with Myrtle anyway. Right. But also of actually of Daisy, who actually right. was driving the car and actually killed Myrtle herself. <laughs> so Gatsby is, you know, pays in a really indirect way. Mm-hmm. You know, his sins are not what he actually is killed for right no he's actually <laughs> killed for someone else's sins right and, and and redeems them in some sense he gives gives them a second chance yeah because through they, his sacrifice right the, tom and 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 uh <clears throat> live perfectly fine the wilsons are killed both of them right um presumably mm-hmm. wilson commits suicide is that yeah. how you got it when he after after he killed gatsby that was in, my understanding the pool? Yeah. yeah and there's something to do with that water too mm-hmm. um many many times in literature water is that source of of, of redemption uh bathing cleansing right. death and rebirth yeah, death and thing. rebirth kind of thing and and there's there's too much of a of a genuine effort to have him say, "I have not been in the pool all summer. I have not been able to get into that pool all summer, and I will now go into the pool. Don't drain it yet. I'm going to get to the pool, mm-hmm. and then that's where he meets his demise." So, um, right? Maybe it's 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 almost like there's there's a death there and a hope for his own rebirth, but it never happens. Right. You know, right. And in, in, yeah. in his in his death, he buys someone else's potential. Maybe that was his. Uh, see, we don't know exactly what. Um, you know, once the once the situation with Myrtle happens. So let's go back to what I think Josiah finds, and I think so too, is probably the the, the tipping point in the novel, which is that uh, trip to New York to the to the Plaza Hotel where they get a a, a room and it's stuffy and it's hot. Um, and it's where we talked about already before, where Gatsby feels like this is going to be the moment of truth where. Uh, Daisy's going to say, I never loved Tom. I've always loved you. I'm leaving Tom. I'm going with you. Mm-hmm. We've already talked about how it doesn't pan out that way. Right. So it's the knife's uh, edge. Yeah. So that's the, that, that's our, uh, that, that, like I said, I would call that the tipping point. Um, after that, the, the, the tragedy happens, but then we don't know exactly what Gatsby was going to do with that information. Cause we know that he, probably knew that it was all over that might you know mm-hmm. so he's so we can only imagine him sort of reeling a little bit you know what i mean like wow that didn't work out or that didn't happen he's still kind of how's daisy doing is she okay he still has great concern right. for her and he hope calls her and, and, yeah and is she all right and and he would never even as uh, he's going swimming he's keeping his line open for her to make the call right 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 so we don't know at the moment of his death 
where he was going. Was he going to be a changed man? Was this going to help him grow as a person? Was because he he didn't get the girl. He, his his plans came to naught. What would have happened had he not been killed? Because certainly, I don't think he ever thought that he was. Well, I don't know. Maybe he 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 made a. a, a, a I was going to say maybe he. Maybe he didn't have any idea that he might be killed or that there might be some retribution, but he did take cares to hide the car um, and you know, knowing, that it, knowing that he was right. you know, uh, part of a crime. Right. Nothing uh, good could occurred. come from that car being found. Right. So, um, but it, it, it makes me wonder where had, had, had George Wilson not found Gatsby and got to West Egg and actually killed Gatsby in that pool, what would the Gatsby be like who emerged from that swimming pool if he had emerged alive hmm. what kind of person would he be right that's that's a good question an interesting consideration too the hope would be that the hope would be that he would be he would continue he would find a new goal find right. a better aim or another right. aim that that is worthy right. of the dedication that he devoted right because that's you know that's that was his <clears throat> core admirable trait that everything else stemmed from was that he was a person with a name. With yeah, him. right. Um, and that's that's what all the other key characters lacked. Mm-hmm. Even um, Nick. So Nick yeah. starts out in, in the beginning of this story, his aim is to acquire wealth. He's going to try and build a fortune on his own outside of his family. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that is an aim. So that's better than no aim. Better so he's got, no a, aim. he's got something. Right. But the whole story concludes with the moral that money is not a high enough aim. Right. And love might be, but it's yet unknown. Right. But it's at least better than money. Better than money. Right. And I mean, I think that I mentioned about the the opulence always being tinged with violence or something incredibly negative. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest the biggest and saddest commentary on the emptiness of wealth is is Gatsby's funeral. Right. Um, right. Where we haven't talked about that yet. Juxtaposed so with heavy. hundreds and hundreds of people arriving from New York to just party it up at this guy's house. And uh, sort of, uh, it's not really truthful when he says that he fills his house with interesting people. She, uh, when Daisy first sees his house, she says, Oh, you live in this place all alone. It's so big and you're all alone. He says, no, I'm not alone. I have interesting people come out here all the time. Right. Um, interesting people that he doesn't even know their names, <laughs> and they don't even know who he is, and there's all kinds of mysteries right. surrounding him. But when you see what happened, you know, like, wow, um, nobody gave a crud about Gatsby. Nobody but Nick. Nobody cared about him. Right. right. Oh, nobody but Nick. And, and, and it's and, like almost in the, <laughs> by accident, Gatsby manages to make a true friend in the right, process. Right, right, right. <laughs> in the midst and, of and, all of In the process show. of sort of using, trying to get something from Nick, as we've talked about. His, right. his friendship with Nick, with Nick isn't truly altruistic. I mean, he's right. he has a purpose. Has I, I got to get, you know. But... Um, like you said, I don't think he realized that he would become uh, that he would because he begins to confide in Nick and yeah. tell him stories of his past and tells him about right. actually uh, opens Bill up to Cody him. and opens up to him. Right. And so we do, we know that that was most likely unexpected, that it, right. it, that it was not, some, you know, there's a there's a little small uh, meta theme there that has to do with intimacy and how intimacy and friendship are tightly tied to vulnerability and mm-hmm. uh and truth and honesty and so there's this and it plays out a few different times with nick there's this line where he's talking to jordan at the in the library at the first party he goes to with jordan 
Jordan says, I love big parties. They're so intimate. Yeah. You know, the small party, there's no privacy. Right. And there's, uh, that's sort of the beginning of their friendship is, is yeah. at that party where he had spent some time with her. And, mm-hmm. and there's the beginning of this developing intimacy between those two. But it ends up being hollow and doesn't last. It doesn't yeah. have much depth to it because mm-hmm. she's a chronic liar. She's, she can't, right, right. he can't really ever know who she is. She doesn't like right. to. She never wants to be beaten in anything. She doesn't right. ever show her her weak side. Right. There's right. no there's no vulnerability there. That's true. And That's Gatsby true. And Gatsby does. Does. Yeah, yeah. to Nick. Yeah. And so right. out of this whole story, Gatsby, this, you know, rich, opulent, powerful man who could have anything he wanted, ends up becoming a dear friend to Nick right. through it all, primarily through their mutual experience of vulnerability. Yeah. I think so. I think that's a good way to put it. And I'm thinking, boy, to the the extent too, Nick becomes the the funeral planner, and he's only known him for three months <laughs> right. or so. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah, he becomes like the guy who's trying to make all the phone calls. Closest friend he's got. To, he's the closest friend he's got, which is really sad. <laughs> it and it also, uh, you know, the the I think his name's Meyer Wilhelm or something like uh, that. That's the, that's that shady character that we talked about earlier. That, oh yeah, that fixed the um, World Series, and his response to. You know, like, you know, hey, come out for the funeral. You know, Gatsby's died. And, and, and those two, you know, I know that, that um, was it Wilhelm? Is that his name? Uh, no, it's a, uh, I wish I could remember. It's a, it's a Jewish name. Um, I'll see if I can find it real quick right. here. The, um, so anyway, that, that guy um, was presumably a huge part of Gatsby's wealth. Um, that he was a, a you know, someone who really helped him get that wealth, you know, accumulated, and he in his, you know, his <laughs> I don't know if I would call it moral, but it's like uh, no, I don't get involved with people who are involved in murders, and uh, <laughs> I try to stay away from all murders. I cannot go to that 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 thing because, uh, um, so he really turns his back on him. The 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 person who Gatsby held up as the the organ player and this amazing artist. Um, we realized that he, he could care. Mr. Yeah. Oh, that's who it is. Yes, thank you. Wolfsheen. Is his first name Myers? Is that what his name is? Um, or Wolfsheen? I, I only see Mr. Wolfsheen. Yeah. But and you know the other guy who's the who's the sort of the resident artist of Gatsby's house? Oh, who right. Then it becomes, oh, well, I, I, can you get my shoes for me? You know, he, you know, I'm not going to come to the funeral, but, you know, send my send my shoes up for me. I mean, <laughs> he was living a... there in the house. He was <laughs> right. literally just, just stashed himself away in one of the rooms. Right. Yeah, and he played the piano. Right, <laughs> you know, right. It's... Yeah, it's a... Uh, so that, that I think that I mean that's a we we've seen that as a, a bit of a cliche as in in film and things like that that the 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 funeral where no one comes to the funeral right, right. which was was saying that nobody valued this person's life at all. He's such a flash in the pan. So, yeah. So so I think that's you know, again it's a pretty leaden symbol of you know like the emptiness of wealth. Mm-hmm. Um. The that that this party, you know, think of the parties. And then juxtapose that with an empty house where no one's there and no one wants to come. I mean, it's, it's, right. it's, it's uh, you know, no one could, you know, care less, could care less. Right. It's so hollow. It's so hollow. Mm-hmm. It sets up in some ways that amplifies the value of that. The aim being love, you know, whether that relationship, right. even if it's not necessarily with a woman. I mean, even mm-hmm. his connection with Nick was at the, in the end, the most meaningful thing Gatsby had. That that fairly yeah. short-lived connection, right, right, yeah, that is actually kind. Of, that is a sad commentary when you think about it. That that was. Uh, it's hopeful though, because a, you don't need to have you don't need the wealth to have the relationships, right? It does. It, it's entirely unnecessary. 
We only, um, yeah, you don't need the wealth to have the relationship. I was trying to see if that's explored anywhere else. And we don't get, a, you know, George Wilson and Myrtle Wilson are residents of the, of the Valley of the Ashes. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, presumably a lot of this wealth was built on the backs of those of those right. people in some way. Well, and Myrtle is more obsessed with the wealth and the things that can bring so much so that it costs her her relationship with her husband. Right. You know, she's and, just and immediately old, jealous and she immediately sees herself as superior to him and she right. kind of snubs him and rejects right, him. Right. And 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 for for material goods, right? You right. know, the, their for relationship is is sexual, but it's also you know, if when they get together, buy me this dog. Um, there's a there's a big thing about this. Fi- he finds this leash for the dog. You know what I mean? Is 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 and it's 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 ornate. And it's studded with diamonds, or presumably this right. expensive. There's so many things you know, that thing. he buys for her. That right. one little afternoon they're together. Yeah. she just is love. It. She's that, all yeah, about that it. it's all about you know thing. And, and sadly, you know that's where. I think we start seeing, you know, look at this. What are you going to do with that leash now? You know, like right. talk about a completely obsolete thing. You can't wear it. You can't, and the whole thing's you know, built yeah. on a lie anyway. She thinks that uh, Tom's wife is Catholic, and even though they hate each other, that he's still right. going to leave her someday and go. Right. It's like it's all yeah. built on a lie. Yeah, there's no real vulnerability there. There's no real relationship there. It's not. Yeah, I mean Myrtle is the is is a, a tough one, but. You know, I think that she doesn't have a whole lot of my sympathy no. as a reader. <laughs> um, a and, and I think that Fitzgerald does use her to show the the allure of wealth. We see it. We see as readers, class, especially for the lower class. Yeah, I mean, they want a piece of it, right? I yeah, mean, I mean, totally, these are the people who are. You know, my husband's toiling day in day out with dirty mm-hmm. hands, working on cars, and trying to, you know, uh, you know, for for what? So he, you know, and he's always, hey, when are you going to sell me that car? You know, and and uh, on the same thread, there's this there's this incredible moment where they're driving into town across. Uh, they're heading down that road that that heads into the city, and so uh-huh. the city is set up as this place of potential. Uh, anything can happen in the city. And so they're everyone. They go in there. You never really know what's going to happen, but it's exciting. And there's in this one scene, we've got uh, going the other direction, coming out of the city. Their car passes a hearse, and so there's a dead uh-huh. person coming out. And then the next car that they pass, with almost the same paragraph, the same breath, is a uh, limousine full of rich black people, which yeah. is this sort of interesting comparison yeah, yeah. of you know you could have anything. Maybe right. you'll end up dead, or maybe you'll end yeah. up going from the bottom to the top. Right. Yeah. And and I think Myrtle her you know love for this apartment in the city uh-huh. kind of expresses that underlying idea that okay anything can happen here i can be wealthy i can right. i can have what, the dream right um, right and but you may also end up dead <laughs> right right i mean she's uh yeah she's um she's playing myrtle is actually playing out a uh, a hollow and empty and false dream just like the other ones are in a lot of ways yeah right i right. mean it's as it, 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 she's just as it, aimless yeah and just as in 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 that apartment that's not really her apartment and this little uh and all these these gifts and everything else are as empty and hollow as uh as the riches and the couch that Jordan and uh, Daisy were <laughs> lying holding on, down. You know, they, yeah. <laughs> that would just float away without them. <laughs> the movie does a nice job in that scene it of is. uh where they first we we first meet them. We were talking a little bit about the movie before we got started and um there's a lot of pretty interesting things that happen there. One of the things, one of the directorial choices is to have Nick 
um, have had presumably some kind of breakdown as a result of this experience right. and is in a sort of sanat- – not sort of, he's in a sanatorium talking to a doctor, sort of a uh, psychologist who – that allows us to get the exposition about, you know, you know, but then he actually encourages Nick to write it out and stuff like that. So it's an interesting uh, way to, um, to get the story told in a visual way instead of just, you know, a voiceover, um, which can be kind of, you know, get a little dull after a while. Um, so I thought that was interesting, but it, 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 I wonder what readers would, th- or what readers think of that when they see that, um, you know, is he, we mentioned that we think that Nick grew as a character. Um, this would, you know, having him have a, a breakdown and, and you get the, the filmmakers show, they write down, um, sort of his diagnosis and they write by hand or they show there, they show his, his, in, his intake papers and it says alcohol, severe alcoholism, insomnia, right. anxiety. So you have this sort of yeah, there's a state of him yeah, after the fact. Right. So Which um, is interesting given that he you know, in the piece talks about only ever getting drunk twice and that being the second time. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I don't I, so it it's interesting. I, I always love to hear, you know, I love when I when I get to talk to a director of a play. So, you know, you have this script and basically the filmmakers had obviously access to this novel. And then Josiah and I were talking, they are very true to the novel. A lot of the lines, even though they might be out of place, come directly from Fitzgerald. So they're, 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 yeah, yeah, they're really, uh, I think they're really pretty true to the novel, but somebody in that filmmaking community, most likely the director, the producers decided that this would work. Not just from a from an artistic sense to have this uh, Nick, but when you think about it, is like, is there enough evidence in the novel to justify that directorial choice to have him be so affected by this that he ends up in a sanatorium? Every time I say that word, I feel like I'm saying it wrong. Is it called a sanatorium? Is I that what they call? I don't know if that's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> was that not sounding right to you either? It was not. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I think that is what it's called. Yeah. But. But you know, I some don't hospital, my, mental hospital. Yeah, I think that's what they used to call like a, the, the sort of the loony bins. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's probably psych, some politically correct way to say war. that. Yeah, uh, I think it was, maybe, but anyway. Um, so that, I mean, maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, but the uh, I, it did strike me as like, okay, yeah. well, that is interesting. Yeah, and um, we know he he had to process some of that stuff. It was enough mm-hmm. at the very end of the the novel. It, it shows how he kind of became disillusioned with his whole dream, his whole right. going to to New York, and he I think he ends up going home at the end, or and and leaving the the bond business, and and so this is a, an interesting way to to kind of show to show that. I buy it. I, I think it was a valid choice. Mm-hmm. The 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 last yeah yeah I think it's a valid choice for sure. The last line of the novel talks about how we we so we beat on boats against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past, which is interesting because he there's this ongoing theme through about how you can't you can't relive the past. Right. So I, I, that last line doesn't make sense to me. No. And they use the same line in the movie too. Is that how they end? Yeah, the that's how they end the movie. All right. With that example. The uh, well that is a you know i think that one thing that we can get out of that is or at least if we look at just just kind of trying to break it down what that even means is that that we we try to move forward that our attempt is to move forward mm-hmm. but that our past is always sort of you know 
pulling us back in some way, right. you know, and, 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 and it's always with us. If you think about, um, I mean, think about that central symbol of the billboard with the with the, with the eye, eye doctor. Mm-hmm. So it's that that that's that it's still there, okay? even though that business is long gone and it's decaying, oh, right. but it's still there. It stays. Um, right. Gatsby's past his being raised poor is still there pulling right. on his current decisions despite all the progress right, he's right. made like it still shapes his insecurities and, yeah. and probably was a big part of why he in, in the end didn't succeed mm-hmm. his goal mm-hmm. just like tom's and, and tom's past success big man on campus right. athlete that's buoyed him throughout life mm-hmm. um but he says that we we move forward and, and, and it's interesting, like that this idea of it could be against the current too. You know, we've got to fight to move forward, but we're always sort of brought back. It's like the old the Queen past. of Hearts: "In my kingdom, you run, run, run as fast as you can, only to stay in the same place." <laughs> it's very true. I think we're seeing the same kind of thing here. But right. you know, this is our last. This is the, our last line from our mm-hmm. author. This is a. This is our. You know. I don't want to make, put too fine a point on it, but this is the this is the yeah, big the takeaway, the final word. Um, so, what does that mean? Is that have is that a can we say that Gatsby has a a a, a positive ending or you know um, a, a tragic ending? I guess there's a little bit of both. We've already talked about the tragic nature of of Gatsby's death, but the possibility of something better for Nick, the guy who underwent some change. Are you starting to think about that in a little different way now? Maybe that last line, when you said before you weren't sure about it or didn't didn't really get it. Yeah, I mean it's so that if you go back even a paragraph before, Nick is is closing out talking about uh, Gatsby and adm- believing in the green light that that sort of mm. high aim that mm. he had. Uh, I'll I'll read the, this whole little paragraph here because it's I think it breaks it out a little bit better. Um, as and as I sat there brooding on the old unknown world, I thought of Gatsby's wonder when he first picked out the green light at the end of Daisy's dock. He had come a long way to this blue lawn, and his dream must have seemed so close that he could hardly fail to grasp it. He did not know that it was already behind him. Somewhere back in the vast obscurity beyond the city where the dark fields of the Republic rolled on under the night, Gatsby believed in the green light. The orgastic future that year by year recedes before us. It eludes us then, but that's no matter. Tomorrow we will run faster, stretch out our arms farther, and one fine morning. So we beat on, beat on against the current, borne back ceaselessly into the past. It's like he's making some commentary on the fact that we have a hard time avoiding striving for those things mm-hmm. that even though they're lost. Right. You know, we, we strive for, for ultimately lost things that only keep getting farther away mm. out of the hope that maybe, maybe someday we'll have it. Maybe someday. Right. It's kind of a, actually kind of a depressing. Well, you need, <laughs> I mean, there. you could, you could look at it that way and you could look at it as something, maybe a, a simple reading might be this absolute necessity for uh, something to strive for. Um, right. That, that, which, made that in itself and we, and is we, worthwhile, despite right. the fact that you're going to float backwards anyway. Right. And we, t- and we talked about that, how that separates Gatsby from uh, Tom and Daisy, right? right. That he had a, a noble, goal that he was that he had a green light right i i don't know i don't I think, see i don't think i don't think that um 
I really don't think that any of the other characters had a green light. No, they, they didn't. Had, it had something to aspire no. for. And I, I love the, the image, too, that we get of this, this sort of grasping and this reaching His for hand something. shaking. Right, right. Like trembling I just, I, I, as he reaches right, with his light just, across uh, the bay. Um, but but the, you know, we need that green light. It's also worth noting that when he attains Daisy, at least physically, when they when they come together, uh, the green light is no longer there. It's gone. And, and, and therein begins the, the decline, Gatsby's decline. Right. right? The, uh, That's as soon the turning as, point. As soon as the green light goes out, so to speak, yeah. because now he has what he was looking across the bay at. Right. I have her now, so I don't have the, the green light's gone. And then, so, uh, yeah, I mean, this idea of, you know, what is your green light? And right. is it a... Uh, is it a noble goal? Is right. it something that's going to be, be because you're going to be tied to, you know, we are we are victims of our own past, and we 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 hold on to things that that that, that can maybe prevent us from moving forward, but we cannot lose sight of our green light. Right. And what is a what is a worthwhile green light? I mean, I think that that really leads us well into into what I would say is our kind of our closing thoughts to this which is an answer to the question. So how does this shape our decisions today? What mm-hmm. what do these insights that Fitzgerald uh, provides in this story, how does it shape my ethical decisions? How does it help inform the way I go about my life? Um, and I think that's one of the, what you're saying right there is is one of the prime takeaways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it begs the question of what is, what is my green light? Right. You know, what are the things that I strive for that, justify the tragedy of existence or justify mm-hmm. the striving and the effort and the discipline that it takes to to move forward against a current mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it's not easy no it's and it's not painful easy. and it's not in this story it doesn't even end well right, you know it's right. it, it may very well fail yeah, there's no guarantee of success there's no guarantees whatsoever right, right? right no matter how hard we strive right. but um but it that doesn't mean we shouldn't strive and it doesn't mean we, sh- we shouldn't pick a green goal and we should just exist aimlessly in the world because right. obviously that's worse. Right. Even right. if it ends well, it's still worse. Still worse. Tom and Daisy are worse off yes. than even Gatsby. Right. We should, we should not look at them as heroic people. Whatsoever. In fact, we should have complete disdain for them. You know? <laughs> Basically. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, yeah. And, and so that's, that's a big question. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to think of that, well, make it a little bit personal. I, everything I do in my life, including this podcast, like I'm an arborist on this. My, my main job is, is, is cutting trees. Right. Um, and that's, that is a difficult, painful, very scary thing for a guy who's afraid of heights and is far too conscious of physics to under, to, to miss just how dangerous the things that I'm doing are. <laughs> but I do it because it, it serves a greater goal. It serves mm-hmm. other purposes to my life. Right. This podcast itself is, is a labor of love uh, unto the purpose of, of bringing more insight into the world, mm-hmm. bringing some truth, mm-hmm. bringing right. some, some, uh, a, a beacon for other people to look to, to right. help orient themselves right. in, in their own life. And so everything is kind of unto, unto something. Right. And, and even if it were to fail, even if I were to, to break my leg in the tree and something terribly to go wrong, I, I'm not left hopeless or aimless because, right. because right. my, my green light is still out there. There it is. It's yeah. still something yeah. to work towards. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I can tell when I'm, when I'm going off course, like it actually helps keep me from making bad decisions. Right, like, okay. Right. Well, does this actually bring me closer to my goal or does right. this lead me the other way? There you go. I mean, I think that's a, that's the, that's a huge takeaway. That is, I think that answers the question about what this work speaks, what this work says about 
who we are as human beings and this idea of um, what is your green light mm-hmm. and how necessary one is, how it can ground you, right. how it can guide you, how it can't um, be money, how it can't, how it has to be something beyond because right. that is so true even now. So some of the young people I work with, when I say to them, what do you want to do? A lot of times they just want to make a lot of money, I just right? Make money. And part of that's you know, the way that society works. We, we, we value things and we value, uh, you know, like... Well, uh, and it's essential you know. for life. And it's sort of like a pseudo representation for security. And, and it's sort of a precursor uh, to having a family in some way. Right. So it's like, it's but, not like but, it's worthless. No, but I don't think your green light can be right. the pursuit of wealth. It's and too that, short-sighted. And, and, that, and that is made very clear in this novel. Very clear. That, yep. that if your green light is wealth... And you're and, and you're hyper focused on a mansion like Gatsby and being able to throw parties and have rich food and and an apartment the in best Manhattan. Best of everything. Um, then it's just it's just it, that that's way way too empty. It's you hollow. will probably not only is it hollow, you'll you're gonna hurt yourself in the end. You're gonna hurt other people in the end. So um, yeah, looking and 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 as a as an adult or wherever you are in your in your life. Consider for a moment, what is your green light? What is it that keeps you moving through this challenging, difficult world? What do you get up in the morning for? Uh, what, what makes you go to work for? What are you, what are you, what are you, what are you going for? And, and explore that and explore that with other people and say, this is what I'm going for and this is why. And uh, think about what will happen if you, when, you, when you reach that or what happens when you don't. There's this beautiful quote that I want to try to, I'm going to see if I can find who said it. Um, I'll paraphrase it, but it's essentially this. A person with a sufficiently meaningful why can endure almost any how. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A person with this, it's that a a profound enough aim can justify almost any suffering it takes to get there. Yeah. I think that sounds great. I mean, we, it's, yeah. And I, I'm looking forward to exploring that idea in, in some more hopeful books <laughs> yeah, and stories. This one, yeah, this one this one takes us sort of part way there and, then, too- sort of, and then sort of leaves <laughs> us at the door a little bit. Like, wait, 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 can we kind of go through the door? Uh, but uh, yeah, it leaves us a little bit, uh, a little bit unsatisfied. But yeah. I think that if we look at it, and maybe real, this though. is a little too literal. Yeah, it, it, it's real. That's life. Okay, so, so I don't want to say that, you know, you know that hey, if you have a great aim, that your life's going to be you Good. know that everything's going to be Comfortable great and, and, and it's going to you know um, I think your life's going to be more meaningful and it's going to be a, a, a life w- worth much living. Better, w- worth living. Yeah. Um, but I'm not saying it's going to be a that that's the key to <laughs> right. happiness and and everything else because this novel sort of turns that on its head a little bit. Yep. I'm never a fan of this the stories where <laughs> where bad people are rewarded. Yeah. And good people are punished. Yep. Um, but we all know that we live in a world where that happens all the time. It does. And it's still it's still worthwhile, I think, is the is the big takeaway. You know, it's not uh, being discouraged from failure and can be so brutal. But if if the why is sufficiently meaningful, mm-hmm. then no failure will be too great. All right. And they think about what happened when this in this story. Yes, we have acknowledged that we are not happy that mm-hmm. Tom and Daisy emerged relatively unscathed. Right. But we look at those last lines. But despite that, mm-hmm. we've got to keep going forward. We've got to keep 
striving know, against yeah, the we, current. Yeah, we can't we can't go oh and just stop and go yeah see it's all it's not worthwhile. It, look what happens. Bad people get rewarded. Um, it doesn't end there. No, we we want to keep moving despite what's happened right. in the past. And part of the past now is that some people got away with murder. Right, <laughs> and they, we got to be willing to change in the process. You know, mm-hmm. Nick. Nick had his goal and he thought it was going to work and he had his, his means going to be a bondsman. So he, he was striving to improve his, his, uh, his place in the world or he was onto some sort of aim. Mm-hmm. But he, in this process, he learned that, that his aim wasn't high enough. It wasn't good enough. And he mm-hmm. was able to adjust. Yeah. And so there's some hope for Nick as a character to, uh, to go on to bigger and better things mm-hmm. and more mm-hmm. meaningful things. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think that's the hope that we all carry as, as we define our aims more and more right, because right. no one ever shoots for the right thing the first time. Right. Um, right. And, and as long as we're willing to keep adjust, like eventually we'll get to someplace really good. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I think that's, that's a good place to probably bring this to a close. Yeah. Um, we're looking forward to talking again uh, next week. We're going to be addressing a movie, one of a, an old classic Ferris Bueller's day off. Right so <laughs> uh, I'm excited about that. It, it's kind of, it'll be, it'll be a more lighthearted shift. I it think. will be a lighthearted shift. Yeah. Uh, no, but no one's going to die. <laughs> no one's going to die. Yep. <laughs> but it's rich and deep and full of insights and, and clever, uh, uh, uses of, of symbolism and metaphor and there all kinds go. of fun stuff. All kinds so of fun stuff. It'll be a great discussion. So thanks for joining yeah, us. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it and uh, look forward to talking with you guys again.